Exodus chapter 23. It'll be on the screens for you. <clears throat> we need to fact check some things. God says through Moses to his people, this is the Amplified Bible. Behold, I send an angel. Now, that's not a regular angel as you think. That is a reference to Messiah, the breaker, the pre-incarnate Christ in a pre-flesh. Uh, Micah 2.13 describes him as Messiah, the breaker. He's going to go before them. This is one of the first times you see that. Behold, I send an angel before you to keep and guard you on the way and to bring you to the place I have prepared, which we know was the promised land or the land of Canaan. Give heed to him, listen and obey his voice. Be not rebellious before him or provoke him. But if you will indeed listen to and obey his voice and all that that I speak, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. We need to trust that today. He is an enemy to our enemies. When my angel goes before you and brings you to the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Havites, and the Jebusites, and I reject them and blot them out. You shall not bow down to their gods to serve them or do after their works, but you shall utterly overthrow them and break down their pillars and their images. So he says there are things in the land I promised you that you're going to have to overthrow and there are other things you're going to have to break down, which is a reference to idols or demonic ideologies. You're going to have to overthrow and break them down. I will send my terror before you and I will throw into confusion all the people to whom you shall come. And I will make all your foes turn from you in flight. And I will send hornets before you which shall drive out the Havites, Canaanites, Hittites from before you. Those hornets, there was literal hornets that are about four inches long that would sting people and even kill horses that uh, came into the land. But I believe, as most, uh, I think, theologians, it is a reference to angel armies in the spirit realm. They are hornet angels. They go before to drive out uh, the adversary. There's a division of hornet angels. And I will send hornets before you and shall drive them out. Verse 29, I will not drive them out before you in one year. I wish that wasn't in there. Lest the land become desolate for lack of attention. So, a lack of attention does cause the land to become desolate. Little by little, I will drive them out from before you until you have increased and are numerous enough to take possession of the land or full possession of the land. The voice translation of verse 29 and 30 reads, I will not do this in a single year. Rather, I will drive them out little by little while your numbers grow and you're strong enough 
to take over the land and its care. The story of the people of God in the Exodus, leaving Egyptian bondage after 430 years, led by the great spiritual leader Moses, is speaking into our times right now. God had promised them a land that was flowing with milk and honey, which simply is a reference to tremendous natural, rich natural resources. It promised them an incredible inheritance, a future that was absolutely glorious. Here's a bit of the narrative. Joshua and Caleb were sent by Moses with 10 other tribal leaders to spy out the promised territory. And they returned and they said, yes, the land is really there. And yes, it is filled with, with abundant resources. It is so rich. Yes, the resources there are absolutely incredible. But the 10 said, but there's, there's giants that are living in that land. And they added, in our own eyes, compared to them, well, we look like grasshoppers compared to them. And they said, unfortunately, we are not able to take the land. The giants are too many, and they are too big. They're just too strong. They said, in, in our way of looking at it, this is just... This just isn't possible. This isn't even a remote possibility. And they were looking at the situation through their natural, natural eyes. They were looking at God as though he was an indifferent, an indifferent bystander, not one who would engage with them, not one that had just promised, I'm going to go before you as your breaker. Now, most certainly the giants were real. These were not imaginary giants. Giant is the Hebrew word nephel, and it means huge bullies, or it can mean tall people or tall tyrants. Many of them were over 10 feet tall, and they were extremely muscular. Also, we are told that their disposition was fierce. They, they were born fighters. And we are also told there wasn't just a few of them. I think sometimes people reading through, they think, well, there's a few giants there. No, no, no. It wasn't just a few. The land was filled with giants. The Anakims, a race of giants, lived in that in that land. The Amines, another race of giants, lived in that land. The Zanzamines, another race of giants, lived in that land. And you can see that in Deuteronomy chapter 2, it describes it. Other clans of giants lived in the promised land. The Amorites, the, Horam, the Horims, the Jebusites, the Nephilims, the Rephaims, the Rephaims actually lived in a, a very long valley, and the valley was called the Valley of Rephaim, Joshua 15, 8. It was called the Valley of Giants. Why? 
because a lot of giants lived in that valley. King Og lived there, who fathered yet another race of or branch of giants. We're told his bed was 18 and a half feet long and eight feet four inches wide in Deuteronomy 3, 11. We are also told this, that these giants filling the line, uh, the uh, land were the result of fallen angels having sexual relations with ungodly women after the flood. And their union produced this, these races of giants. That's Genesis 6 and verse 4. And historians do, uh, they do uh, verify these giants did exist. Their, their union produced these giants. They were huge, and they also had physical mutations. They were kind of disfigured in features, some of them having six fingers and six toes, which is also verified in some of the findings of historians. They carried spears that the tip of their spears would sometimes weigh five pounds, other tips of spears found were 10 pounds or even 15 pounds. Also, their union with fallen angels caused an imbalance in their minds, their attitudes, and their emotions. They were very aggressive and ill-tempered. Church historian Finus Dake tells us they were not ordinary human beings, they were not fathered by Adam's stock. In other words, the demon nature was passed on to these giants. Which, of course, any union with demons would, would cause. You're not going to think right. You're not going to act right. You're not going to be right. You're not going to be balanced you're not going to be balanced in your nature, your thought patterns, your behavior mutates into the behavior of hell's kingdom or fallen angels. The ten spies saw all of this and said, we, we can't deal with that. The land is filled with giants. Forgetting that the promise included... Him going with them, God going with them, him fighting on their side, him going before them to break open the way for it to happen, forgetting that he too was going to go and he is bigger than all the giants put together. It also included God's own angels who are far stronger than the fallen ones going with them. Remember, Lucifer and all the fallen angels, a third of them in eternity past somewhere, were thrown out of heaven by Michael and his angels. Not all the angels of heaven were even involved. Just Michael and his division. God said, Michael, take, him, take care of him, throw him out. And he did. Not, not to mention that this included those angels going going before them with 
the breaker himself, the commander-in-chief of angel armies himself, the captain of them, according to what he told Joshua. But the ten said, this isn't, this is not doable. But Joshua and Caleb, they saw things differently than the ten. They, they saw the giants all the others saw. But they remembered the key to possessing the land was almighty God was going to go with them. They remembered the power of heaven is behind them. They remembered angel armies are going to go and assist them. They remembered the creator of heaven and earth was more than enough to handle the giants and help them take the land. They had a conviction. Joshua and Caleb had a conviction uh, in their heart. And it was a heart conviction of courage. And they spoke up saying, we believe we are well able to take that land. In fact, they said, the giants are bread for us. We'll eat them up. They will fuel us like a good steak dinner. We'll feast on them. Let's go. There's no need to delay. And we see that two tribes said, we can do this. And ten tribes said, we can't do it. We be not able. Well, we see this in our present time here in America's political mess. This government mess. Two tribes have said, we can do it. They are a remnant, obviously. But ten tribes are saying, we can't do it. It's, it's too big. It's, it's not doable. We be not able. Our tribe as Joshua and Caleb, has been shouting for months, we can do it. We've been shouting, we don't need to wander in the wilderness. God's with us, let's go. God's got it. We don't need to wander four more years. But other tribal leaders have trembled in fear saying we can't. Some, some of those leaders in both the political and the religious realms have said, you're crazy. You're nuts. The opposition's too big. We're, 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 we're grasshoppers. We're poor little non-essential weak Christians. Be quiet. Stop rocking the boat. Be thankful for the wilderness. I mean, we get free bread. Just eat it and be happy. Settle for wilderness socialism and an antichrist agenda. Settle for lawlessness. Settle for godless ideas. Settle for ways that are demonic. Settle Settle for demonic culture. It's amazing how gutless some leaders really are. 
but, 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 but we're surrounded. There's too many. We can't do it. We're surrounded. I, I awakened yesterday morning thinking about something I, I don't think I have thought about in probably 35 years. It's a story I, uh, I used to tell when I was teaching spiritual warfare around the, the nation. But I but begin to think about the United uh, States Marine Corps General, Chester Puller. Uh, he was just a great leader in World War II. He and his men were, they were surrounded by Japanese soldiers. And the ratio number was 29 to 1. 29 enemies to 1. Our, our own command wrote them off as lost. Well, his reconnaissance teams came in facing those kind of numbers and being surrounded. He sent his reconnaissance teams out and they reported back to his tent headquarters. And they said, sir, the enemy is in front of us. They have dug themselves in deep. They're entrenched. Uh, it blocks our way. Another came in, sir, the enemy has filled our right flank and they are entrenched very deep and there's a bunch of them there. And then another came and said, sir, they're coming up behind us by the thousands. He said, good. They can't get away from us this time. And then he added, fire in all directions. They did, and they won. The ecclesia of King Jesus needs to believe God is greater, and the weapons of our warfare he has given to us are mightier than our adversaries. It's time to fire in all directions. Another time, 22 enemy divisions <laughs> were blocking them from where they were commanded to go, a, a territory they were supposed to take. And 22 enemy divisions were in front of them, and it was just one, one Marine regiment, his. And 22. A journalist came to him and asked this question. That was back when we had journalists. Uh, Sir, there are 22 divisions of enemies in, in, in front of, of you. What are you going to do? And he said this, 22 divisions of enemy, of the enemy's divisions can't stop one well-armed Marine regiment. We'll go wherever we want to go, and we'll go whenever we want to. They did, and again, they won. It is time to tell our enemy, we'll go wherever we want to go, and we'll do whatever we want to do that our king tells us to do. And if he says do it, we're going to do it. Fire in all directions. 
Joshua and Caleb's story, it's just so instructive. Now, two things are immediately uh, uh, apparent. They stand out. Number one, the promise was there just as God said it was. I mean, it, it, was, uh, it was there, no doubt about it. Number two, it was contested by giants. There was giant opposition. The land God promised was giant infested. I mean, think about that. God says, okay, here's the land. I've been promised it to you 430 years. Here it is. By the way, it's filled with giants. You can almost hear, they probably didn't say it, maybe some did. Thanks a lot. They were going to have to battle for it. Now, it was God's will that they have it. We know that. It was his will, but, but they were going to have to fight to get it. It was his will, but, but they were going to have to stand in faith. It was his will, but they were going to have to trust him. They were going to have to be engaged warriors it wasn't going to be easy, but God said, you're going to be able to do it little by little. Little by little, you're going to begin to possess your inheritance. You're possessing this land, and I'm going to help you. I'm going with you. And we see that God's will isn't necessarily automatic. There's a passionate commitment that is involved. There's a resolve involved. There, but, but by those who... Who he gives the promise to. Demonized people may have to be overcome. Giants may rise to get in our way. There may be some things that have to be torn down. And we're going to have to war against them, trusting the power of our great God. And we're going to have to, to keep moving forward, occupying our rightful inheritance. Well, the ten spies, they swayed, they, they swayed the rest of the people. And in fear, they, 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 they spoke these words, and, and in fear, they brought a lie against God's will, a lie against His promise refusing to go in and possess the land because of unbelief. God actually called the report himself. He called the report of the ten spies an evil report. How is it you don't believe me? How can you magnify those in union with demons greater than I am? Oh, it was a test of their faith. And they bought the lie. And they wandered around as nomads in the wilderness until that generation of believers, uh, or unbelievers, died off. About 40 years. Are we really at the point where we're willing to say, God cannot help us do what he told us to do. Are we really at that point? 
Not me. Not the real ecclesia. Not the righteous remnant. I will not say God can't help us win. As we said Sunday or Friday night, I don't know how, but I know he knows how. He can bring us wins. America shall be saved. Reformation has begun and it won't stop. Evil will be exposed as awakening surges. We have prayed for, for God. We have prayed to God for four years for him to expose, expose the corruption. And when he exposes it, we fall apart. He's got to be saying, I'm answering your prayers. You didn't know how bad it was until last week. I'm exposing the corruption. But that wasn't all we asked him to do. Why don't we believe for the rest of it? Evil will be exposed. Compromising leaders will be exposed. And righteous leaders will be exalted. It's part of taking the land. Unbelief will be exposed in tribal leaders of God's people. Corruption is going to be exposed more and more and more. It has to be. But for those who trust him, miracles are going to happen. Red seas of impossibilities are going to open. Granite walls are going to burst forth as a river starts to gush through it. If we believe him, promises become realities. If we don't, then we wander in a wilderness. We need some champions to rise. What if our founding fathers had taken on the attitude of the ten? If they had, there wouldn't be an America. One third of the people at the time wanted to stick with the king of England. Just don't rock the boat. Though they were being abused, they didn't want to stand. Only one third wanted freedom and their religious liberties. Only, uh, only one third wanted a free land. The other 40%, they didn't care one way or the other. Only a third, only a remnant was willing to stand for a God-fearing nation to be born. In 1776, a great debate was taking place one month after the signing of the Declaration. People were having second thoughts. Should independence be stood for uh, or not? Should, should a fight be made for freedom and liberty and the right to serve God freely without interference? A great debate was raging over free speech and over over a right to bear arms and the right to conduct business and entrep uh, entrepreneurial uh, endeavors as any individual wanted to of themselves without any government interference, without uh, any restrictions. They actually called them, those restrictions, they called them tyranny. A debate went went on and on, and the debate became fierce. Many voices said, 
Well, well, we can't do it. England's too big. Their armies are too big. We're not strong enough. Let's, let's give up on this dream before it becomes a nightmare. Let's just make the best of the way things are. Let's not disturb this giant. Leave him alone. John Adams, sixth president of the United States, stood and raised his voice. And perhaps his voice should be heard in our times. On August 1st, 1776, he stood up in the great state house in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and he said, If you love wealth more than liberty, the tranquility of submission more than the animating contest for freedom, then go home from us. We seek not your counsel, nor your arms. Crouch down and lick the hand that feeds you, and may your chains set lightly upon you, and may history forget you were ever our countrymen. You say, that's bold. I didn't say it, he did. Yes, it's bold. Most certainly it's bold. But sometimes words must be used as wake-up calls. And politically correct words just keep us sleeping. They are the NyQuil to passive Christianity. We must have those praying, standing, trusting warriors who, as the apostle Jude writes about in Jude 1.3, those who earnestly contend for the faith that has been delivered to them, the principal sums of Christian belief, those who will fight with everything in them, fight for the faith entrusted to them, guarding it, cherishing it, battling for it without compromise. There are those, we must admit, there are those, even those who call themselves Christians, who have decided not to contend with evil, not to contend with corruption and corruptors. And, and while not all of them that are opposing God's will uh, in, in unbelief, not all of them who are saying, just forget it. Be quiet. Not all of them are evil people. I'm not saying that. They're, they're just passive or maybe scared. Or they want no responsibility. Another, another disease of the soul that destroys righteous culture. But somewhere along the line, it must be said of those of those saying, just forget making a stand. It must be said of them that the selling of children to rich and famous for sex acts with little or no consequences, which is now happening, happening, the murdering of infants, aborting them, and selling their body parts, the undermining of basic American freedoms, liberties, and values for antichrist socialism, the lying with impunity, 
the stealing of elections and disenfranchising of, of hard-working Americans, the arrogant ridicule of those Americans, calling them stupid, deplorable, or non-essential, and now rioting haters of democracy, as though the peaceful protest 10 days or so ago was not infiltrated by evil tyrant groups or terrorist groups. The passing of evil laws protecting evil systems and a corrupt deep state that operates in tyranny much of the time. The, the giving of billions of, of dollars of American treasures to our enemy. To arts and entertainment to train our children in communism. To pollute them. Or to give billions, millions at least, to other countries for the study of, of gender identity, transgender identities, while American citizens of every race and color are hurting. It is the billionaire oligarchs slap in the face of salt of the earth, good people that will give you the shirt off their back. The suppression of the, of the middle class, closing down their businesses, their restaurants, mom and pop operations, their churches, their synagogues, their, their temples. Somehow, some have decided somewhere along the line that those things aren't deal breakers to them. Those things, while clear, are not worth a fight to them. Well, they are for me. And I'm not for it. I am against it. And I will contend for the faith. I will contend for this nation as awakening, reformation, and revival depend on it. In some ways, a billion souls hang in the balance. The well-being of millions of good people and their family and their children hang in the balance. I will not bow down and kiss the ring of oligarchs or deep state conspirators. I will not stand down when the principles of my King Jesus and his kingdom are open, openly defied and a prayer, the first prayer of this Congress this year is a mumbling incantation of demon ideologies. Amen, not a woman. I will not stand aside while brothers and sisters of any race, any color, I don't care, black, white, red, I don't care. I will not stand aside while they are belittled and browbeat and forced into poverty through crazy government restrictions. These are deal breakers for me. And I believe millions of us. The 10 said we can't do it. 
There's giants. There are giants filling the land. It's too big. It's, it's too hard. Don't you know we look like grasshoppers compared to them? And the people's hearts melted in fear and discouragement and, and disappointment because they believed the lie. And for sure it was a lie because when that unbelieving generation of people passed away, a different generation proved it was possible. They took the land. They killed the giants with Caleb finally saying, I'll take the rest of them for you. It was possible. It was possible. It could be done. With God's help, it could be done. Yes, we can do it. Yes, God can and will help us. Some of it may be little by little, but we'll occupy the land. We'll change this nation. We'll press revival and reformation everywhere. We'll just keep growing and growing and becoming stronger and stronger. I have way too much today. The good news about pastoring for 43 years, there's always next week. <laughs> Ecclesia warriors, hear the word of the Lord. Rise up with your spiritual weapons, no matter what the size of the enemy is, and fire in all directions. Singers and musicians, come. We haven't been given, we haven't been given weak weapons. No. The great apostle Paul says they're mighty through God. They are mighty through God. We are never helpless. We're never hopeless. I am glad the promise is Messiah, the breaker, is going to go before us. One thing about General Puller <clears throat> that I found interesting in studying him was this. He never, asked him, he never asked his men to do something he wouldn't do. He always led the charge. We don't know how he even made it through the war. When he said go, he started going. They had, he, would, he took off. First thing God says... I'm going to go before you. Don't tremble. Don't be dismayed. I'm not going to ask you to do something I'm not going to do. I'm going to go before you. And I'm going to be your breakthrough. I'll be, I'll be the breaker. Don't tremble. Don't be afraid. Keep going. When the enemy surrounds you, fire in all directions. And watch me break through for you. We're going to take this nation and turn it around for God. 
We're going to see the greatest days in history. And hell is not going to stop it. Horned angels are flying through the air. And our God is coming through in Jesus' name. So let the warrior's heart arise. We may just be two, not the ten. But two is enough. And they got it done. Stand if you would. Thank you, Lord. Lord, let this aggressive faith rise for our times to make this stand. Oh, Lord, we trust you. You are doing something in the, in the natural and the spirit realms. You are doing things hell cannot stop. You're going to bring giants down. Giant ideologies will fall. You'll do it, Lord. You'll go before us. You'll, you'll go before those that are standing and saying, Oh, we can do it. We can do it. We can do it. We can do it. It may look, they may look big, but we are looking to our God who is far greater. We can do it. We can do it. We can do it. We'll get it done. Might be little by little, but we're going to get it done. We're going to get it done. Our King is rising before us.